0: Is our prayer, the God of all things would have mercy upon us. Well, welcome, SBC family. Thanks for joining us right now for our time in the Word as we're going to continue our series through the gospel. And I want to, I want to just reference one thing real quick. Uh, some of you guys got the, the message that Jamie sent out on Thursday about the fact that we as a church are going to get to begin to regather on the weekend of August. 23rd. And I just want to encourage you, for those of you that are, that you hear that news and you go, man, that's, that's not for us. We're still anxious. We're still concerned about the virus. Man, we encourage you. We're going to continue to do as best we can to connect with you, as you heard Neil reference online. Uh, but for the rest of us, uh, I, want to, I want to challenge maybe those of us, myself and my family included, if you've gotten real comfortable with watching church in your living room and letting your kids run around and just sitting there with a cup of coffee, and that's gotten real comfortable for you, uh, Don't get too comfortable. Uh, The beauty of God's church is that it gathers together. And God's entrusted you with a spiritual gift to be a blessing to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And for as long as you choose to stay away, you do in some sense, and this is not guilt or shame, but there is a sense that you rob the body of Christ of your gifting. And there's an opportunity for us to rally together as a church and to encourage each other, as the word of God says, all the more as we see the day approaching spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. And so if you can, if you can find it in yourself, if, if, if the virus is not a true concern or fear of yours, man, we hope and pray as your pastors that the body of Christ would show up and we would be the body of Christ, uh, that we would love each other well, that we would encourage each other well, that we'd study the word of God together, that we'd praise and worship together corporately. And that day's coming hopefully pretty soon. And so I just wanna encourage you guys on that front. Uh, well, a couple more weeks that we're in this series on the gospel. God sinned Christ in you, and then Jamie's gonna come back and he's gonna kick us off into our new season as we go forward. And last week we took a a long, hard look at the idea of, man, who who is God? God is not only uh, this this big, gracious, loving father we just got done singing and worshiping about, that he forgives us, that he is for us. All those things are true. But the same side, there's a, a jealous, avenging side of God where God is gonna hold us accountable for those of us certainly outside of the family of God, those that don't know Christ, that haven't surrendered our lives to him going to hold us accountable for what the Bible calls sin. And so last week we looked at the hope we have in Jesus Christ. We're going to look at that hope again this week, but we're going to focus in on this idea of sin specifically as we dive into our time in the Word. And so before we get there, I want to start off by telling you a, a real brief story. And this is not the most flattering of stories, but I'll share it with you anyway, because I do think it makes a good point. Uh, 21 years ago, uh, Brooke and I had just gotten married. I was 20 years old. I uh, didn't know what I was doing, but man, I was in love. And so we got married in August. And about October, somebody graced us with the opportunity to use their place over in San Diego. And so Brooke and I hopped in our car and we made that beautiful drive over to San Diego and we pulled in and we had no money. We had nothing, nothing to show for ourselves, but we had the beach, the beach was free. And so we said, hey, you know what we should do? Let's go, to, let's go to the beach. And we decided to go to both of our favorite beach. Uh, It's Coronado Beach. So we made our way over the bridge and we came down, hooked the left on orange and went down there, found us a spot, grabbed our stuff and began to walk our way out through the dunes onto the beautiful white sandy beach of Coronado. We went down a little ways and we set up our blanket and laid it out there and got our towels out and I shoved that old umbrella we had in the ground and got it all set up and we were ready to go. I did what, at the time, uh, was very interesting. I decided to peruse the uh, surrounding male competition around where we were at, just to see if I was going to, really honestly, if I was going to take my shirt off or not. I wanted to see where I stacked up amongst the other dudes around me, and this is going to be test your imagination right now, but at the time, I was 20 years old. I was about 30 pounds lighter and about 10 of the pounds that's right here now was actually up here. I was in pretty good shape. I had been working out quite a bit and I was in pretty good shape. So I scanned the right, and I noticed over here a couple of dads building some sandcastles with their kids, rocking some sweet dad bods and thought, okay, I got, I got those guys beat. Over here to the left were a couple of uh, retirees. No threat there. There was a man I can only guess was from Europe. He was clearly a little rotund, rocking a Speedo. And so I thought I got him beat as well. And so I decided I'm going to take off my shirt. So I peel my shirt off. I get all sunscreened up and I just kind of look around the beach like, man, I am the king of the castle right now. And so we sit there for a while and my pride continues to grow and begin to build myself up. And I decide, man, it's getting a little warm out. Weird for October. It's kind of how I'm going to go for a swim. And so I make my way out into the water and out into the chilly water of the Pacific and start swimming around for a little while, riding some waves in, body surfing, and kind of get done with that and go, I'm gonna head on back up and go see my bride. And so I begin to make my way up the beach and I kind of stop in about knee deep water there for a moment just to take in one last second of cool, refreshing water. And I notice something coming up the beach off to my right. I think, oh, that's interesting. Sure hope that moves. So I sit there for a little bit and watch, and it's a couple hundred yards away, but it it just continues to get closer and closer and closer. And I began to watch some of the moms that had been playing with their children suddenly not giving them as much attention as they'd been giving them just moments before. And some of the retirees that were buried, their noses in books began to pull them down and pull their sunglasses down as it began to approach. In God, in his absolute perfect sovereignty, I think he looked down at this arrogant punk 20-year-old kid and decided one would not be enough. And so in an effort to humble me greatly, he sends five. Five individuals running in nothing but combat boots and camouflage pants are five of the United States military's finest fighting Navy SEALs. And these men... I'm I'm assuming they had about a half ounce of fat for breakfast, and they are now running it off through the thick thick sand of Coronado Beach, and they are come running in this V formation right towards me. I'm looking at these guys just going, that is perfection, and I remember looking down at myself and going, what are you thinking? You went into this water with all of this pride of like, look at me, look who I am. And yet here you are coming out and you have something in front of you that is far greater than you. And now you see it. Now you're forced to wrestle with the fact that you are nowhere near these men's stature. So I put my head down as they passed by, trying not to gawk too much at their physique. And I made my way up to the towel and I grabbed my gray t-shirt, still dripping wet, and I put it on. I just sat there. And I sulked for a moment. I sat there and I thought, man, I will never be what those men are. I don't have the discipline. I don't have the time. I don't have a drill instructor screaming in my ear each and every day, working to perfect myself to that degree. I just don't. I will never be what those men are. And if I knew then what I knew now, that 20-year-old kid, I would have told him, hey, this is the best you're going to get because it's all downhill from there. But I remember feeling almost a sense of guilt And shame that man, I could never be what those men were. Now, why do I tell you that story? One, to make me look like an idiot, maybe, but maybe more importantly is this. I think when it comes to sin, I think when it comes to our ownership of sin, we can fall on either side of that spectrum, either side of that coin. There are some of us that have convinced ourselves, as long as we surround ourselves with the right people, people that maybe aren't quite to the moral character with which we choose to live our lives by. If we can get enough friends on social media that are maybe a little bit below us morally, we can feel pretty good about ourselves. We can begin to look at the world around us and go, oh man, these these people. When he talks about Jesus, he's talking about these folks because man, they need Jesus. But me, I'm not, I'm really that bad. And we can begin to compare ourselves to the world around us and we have forgotten that there is a perfect, holy Righteous God that is absolute perfection. And when he looks down at us, I don't care if you're in the best shape of your life, you're not perfect. I don't care how moral, how righteous, how good you've convinced yourself or really the enemy has convinced yourself you are. The reality is this, you fall short of God's standard of perfection. And in that moment needs to remind us, man, we need Jesus for everything. So we're gonna talk about that in just a little bit. But there are others of you that are more like me, post-Navy SEAL flyover, and you realize, man, I don't know if I could ever accept the grace and forgiveness of God. I talked to some of you this week. You wrestled with my comment last week talking about, man, God loves you. God loves you in spite of your sin. And some of the comments I heard were, Kevin, you don't understand. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I'm currently entrapped in. And if you knew, I think you would really question whether the fact that God truly loves me or not. And so this whole idea of guilt and shame, and you have no problem identifying the fact that you are not perfect, but you've identified so far that you're not perfect that you've defined yourself by your sin and your imperfection to the point that you would actually reject God's love because you're full of guilt and shame. We're gonna talk about that as well because both sides of this coin, both sides of the poles on that, are significant for us to own and wrestle with as we look at this idea of sin. And so we're gonna take a hard look at it. We're gonna look at what God's word has to say. We'll take a hard look at maybe some old ways of thinking and maybe we can clean some of those up and we can fall at the end of our time on our knees in front of the cross of Jesus Christ and hold on to him with all that we've got. Because as we just got done singing, as we've talked a lot about, at the end of all time, he is all that we've got. But he is all that we need. And so can we lean in and grab onto Jesus with all that we have? Man, my hope and prayer for all of us is that we would get there. So let me pray, and then we'll dive into our time in the word. God, I thank you so much for who you are. And God, as as we stop, even just for this brief moment in time, God, and reflect on the sacrifice that you made because of our sin, God, because of our brokenness, as we looked that passage earlier in Ephesians 2, God, that we, we brought nothing to this party but our dead, dying, sinful selves. And you chose to love us through it all and you continue to reach out and to love us through it all. And so God, my prayer is now that your Holy Spirit would move, that you would work in the hearts of your sons, your daughters, your, your children. God, even those that are watching right now that maybe are still seeking and longing for you, God, that your Spirit would move, that you would convict us where we need to be convicted and you would encourage us where we need to be encouraged. But God, more than anything else, that your word would speak, it'd speak truth over our lives and that we would be convicted by it, that we would hold on to it, we'd be led by it. And God, as always, we will thank you in advance for all that you're gonna do. And God, we thank you for all the things that you have done in the past. So we love you and we thank you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going we're gonna to pick this up with those of us that that maybe have a hard time. In fact, I, I was talking to somebody this week, and they said, you know, what do you want to title this weekend? I said, well, I'll just call it sin. That's what we're talking about, God's sin, Christ in you. And they said, well, I think it's a little intimidating. I think that'll turn people off. I think that'll push people away. And I said, maybe, but it's what the Bible calls it, so that's what we're going to call it. And somewhere along the way, we have, have convinced ourselves that this sin is just such a, a dangerous or dirty word, or no one likes to be called a sinner, and... I think that's where the enemy has begun. He's begun to work in our lives and certainly in some of our our, our culture around us is to convince us that, man, who are you to tell me I'm not right? Who are you to tell me I'm not good? Say something you believe on social media right now. Let me know how that goes. If it's counter to anything the world is selling right now, you will get berated for it. Why? Because we've all entitled to our opinion and we all have elevated ourselves to this place that what we think and what we believe matters so much. Maybe in this moment, God would say, man, can we lean back on my truth? Can we look back at the only truth that we have to stand on? And certainly in this time right now, and that is the word of God. And so what does God's word have to say? We're gonna look at a very familiar passage. It's in Romans chapter three. And I would encourage you guys, if you have time this week, read all of Romans chapter three. We looked at it a couple of months ago when I was up here, but uh, it's really Paul's argument to to explain, look, we've all gotta own our stuff. We all have to own our stuff. We are all not perfect. And so he begins to spell it all out. And if you happen to read Romans chapter three this week in your own study and you do that, just do me one favor. Would you, would you at least, at the, as you're done with Romans chapter three, in the midst of your, your eye-opening experience of God's truth, would you flip over to Romans chapter eight? And if nothing else, just read that first verse. Because as the bad news comes in Romans three, there's great news that comes in Romans eight one. And I know Russ is gonna talk about that a bunch next week when we get to Jesus, but... Uh before we do that, I want to I want to take a look at one passage in Romans chapter 3. It's verse 23. It's familiar to many of you, but here's what God's word says. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. All of us have fallen short of God's glory. So don't, don't start to believe, don't start to fall into some trap the enemy would love to sell us that, well, as long as you don't do these eight or 10 things, because these are the big sins, right? Like when, when, I, when I hear people talk about, oh man, and they're giving their testimony, they're talking about their sin, it's, man, I was a, I was a drunk or I was, I was an adulterer or I murdered a guy. And we kind of label, we kind of have this list of these are the big 10. And yet God says, no, no, it's, it's that 10 plus a laundry list more of things, It's pride gossip. It's lying. It's anger in your heart. It's malice. It's looking at another individual and not seeing the image of God that they bear and loving them right where they're at, even if they differ from you. It's turning on whatever news station you want and whatever political party you're affiliated with and seeing the opposing party. And instead of getting angry and fired up and wanting to throw something at the TV, having a heart of compassion that breaks for them to understand the gospel, see anything short of that, it begins to fall short of God's glory. And the reality is, if, if you hear that and you go, man, I got a, a laundry list of things that I have to now do, and yet yeah, do them because you wanna bring glory to God, but don't do them at all thinking that you're gonna work your way towards him. We're all gonna fall short. We all fall short of God's glory. Let I me mean, unpack a, a, a theological tradition that has become painfully aware to me as I've met with some of you over the last couple of months. Uh, there's a tradition out there, and... I said, man, is it true? They explained it to me. Essentially, it's this, is that at the end of all time, their understanding is this, at the end of all time, there are some sort of great cosmic scales in the sky where God is gonna put all of the good things you did on one side and all of the bad things you did on the other side. And if your good outweighs your bad, then you're in, you're good. You've done enough. And if it's kind of in the middle, I mean, there's a special place for you, but you can work your way out of there. But man, if it's too much bad, then you're in trouble. Because I'm here to tell you, you can't tip the scales from the bad. That's the reality of where we're at. The only thing that tips that in yours and I's favor is Jesus Christ, because we are all in this boat. We have all sinned and fall short of God's glory. it's different for everybody. You gotta own what you've gotta own. I don't know what it is for you. Some of you, it's right there. You know exactly what it is. For others of you, maybe it is going back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago and it's kneeling before God just saying, God, would you search me? Would you know me? Would you try me? Would you know my thoughts? Would you point out anything in me that I need to be aware of? Not so that I can wallow in guilt and shame, but that I can lay that at the feet of the cross and find everything I need in you. Maybe that's where we need to go. But we need to own our stuff. I'm not one of us that can walk around with our chest puffed out and look up at God and go, God, you, you and you are one fortunate dude to have me as your kid. Look at all that I have done. Look how Isaiah 64 would explain it. It would say, we have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds, catch that, our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities or our sins, like the wind, take us away. I'm not going to get into the details of, of what that statement is, is referencing when it talks about polluted garments, but essentially what he's saying is this, is that everything good you have ever done, think of those things that you say, oh man, you know, I, I gave to these people and, and I helped out this individual that was in need and I, I loved my kids and I prayed over my wife. All those things, list all those things that you did that you would think, man, God, you are so proud of me for these. And the reality is he is, he's proud of you. He's honored to have you as his son or his daughter, but don't think for a second that he's up there going, wow, that, man, that is really good. In comparison to the God of the universe, he's looking at it going, your best day, your best thing is like something that he just wants to throw away in comparison to him, in comparison to who he is. And again, I think this is where the enemy loves to work on our hearts as he kind of loves to begin to convince us. Well, he's not talking about the things I do. I mean, do you know what I've done for the kingdom of God? That's great. Keep doing them. God is pleased with you. Well done, good and faithful servant. But if you think for a second that that gets you anywhere when you kneel before God, it doesn't. Again, in that moment, I will die for this statement. In that moment, when you kneel before your Father, Jesus Christ and Christ alone is the only thing that matters. And what you do with Jesus matters most. So as you sit there and you maybe feel the weight, maybe for the first time, maybe for the the hundredth time of the fact that you can't perfect yourself enough. There's nothing you can do to to earn or work or clean yourself up enough for God to go, oh, now, now you're in. Even on your best day, you're still in need of a savior. Maybe you can begin to lean in and listen as we talk about this Jesus guy a whole lot more and begin to wrestle with who he is and how much he loves you and how important he is to each and every one of us to at some point humble ourselves. As we looked at last week, the reality is we're all gonna humble ourselves at some point. It just matters which side and when that happens. You can either do that now, humble yourself and find everything you need in Christ this side of heaven, or you can bow and confess who he is, both God and Jesus, when he comes back or calls you home. But man, if you don't know Christ in that point, it is, it's gonna be too late. Can you humble yourself enough now to own your stuff, to own it? Now, let me me hit the other side of the coin and and hold out. Those of you guys that are there that are going, eh, I'm still wrestling with, am I a sinner or not? Hang out with me for a little bit. But there's others of you, and I've I've talked to you, even even this week, the statement was made, Kevin, I don't think God could love me in light of what I have done. I wanna take you to a passage that's been incredibly pivotal in my life. And I know Rustin and I have talked about this passage before, but Uh, There's a crossroads that God's gonna put us at. And we can go one way or we can go the other way. And one way is gonna clearly lead to to great things. And the other way is clearly gonna lead us maybe to the road. This word calls it destruction. And so the choice is there for us to make. And so let me unpack this a little bit. It's 2 Corinthians chapter seven. It's gonna be verse 10. I think it's gonna be on the screen behind me. Let me read it here. It says this, says, for godly grief, Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Godly grief produces repentance. We'll talk about that in a second. Worldly grief produces death. Grief is involved in both. Do you catch that? You're either either surrendering to the conviction of the Lord and going, God, I know this isn't right and so I want to lay this at the feet of your cross and I want to begin to experience what this passage says is is not only salvation, but it's salvation without regret. Or you can feel the weight of it, you can own it, you can feel that grief and go, okay, I'm gonna now carry this with me everywhere that I go. This now defines who I am. And when the world sees me, when anybody sees me, in fact, even when the God of the universe sees me, he can't see beyond anything other than what it is I'm carrying. And that is my sin, my grief, the shame and the guilt. And the enemy loves to put his thumb of oppression on us and help us wallow and feel that with the full weight of everything that he's got. And so it's not a matter of, did you sin? The reality is you've done it. You have, you are. It's what do you do with it? What do you do with it now? Do you allow it to define you? Or can you find yourself in a moment of conviction in absolute humility, kneeling before the cross and saying, God, I can't fix this on my own, I can't. And so I'm gonna put this down, I'm gonna lay this here in front of you and I'm gonna grab onto your son Jesus Christ with all that I've got and you're gonna have to do what only you can do and that is get this stuff out of my life and purify me from all of this. We'll look at that more in just a second but you've got a decision to make and some of you have, have fallen victim to the enemy's lies that you, you are defined by God based on what you've done. And that's just not true. We can go back and look at the passages we looked at last week. It says, look, you know, even while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. Not that we loved God, 1 John 4. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. It's not about us. It's not like God's going, are right, you? you What God's asking of us is to humble ourselves to acknowledge that we have a problem. God, I'm a sinner. I acknowledge that. I know that I need you for everything. That's the call. That's this godly grief that produces repentance, this turning from that stuff and running to the Lord. Are you in that spot? I know you identify with your sin. I know that you know that you've got it because I've talked with you. Can you humble yourself enough to accept God's grace, love, and mercy? Let Let me... give you this this illustration so um, my wife Brooke uh, here's the order it goes Jesus Christ things that I love most Jesus Christ my wife and then my kids are way down here and I love my kids but man they know without a doubt they are third place compared to Jesus and mom man I love my wife been with my wife I was 15 years old when my wife and I started dating in fact her mom had to drive us on our first couple of dates it was awesome 26 years I've been with this woman. And let me tell you how it will go. When I'm done with today and I walk in the house, the kids will all do whatever they're going to do. They're all over the place right now, as I'm sure yours are as well. And some of them will greet me and some will not pay attention at all. But at some point, I will make my way to my beautiful wife and she will come up to me and she will give me a hug and she will say, Hey, love, how did it go? That's exactly what she will say. Hey, love, how did it go? I can probably count on one hand the number of times in the last 20 years that she has called me by my name, Kevin. Most of the time, it's love. Hey, love, love, what do you want for dinner? Love, what do you wanna do tomorrow? Love, what do you got going on at work? It's just her name for me. She identifies me as love. You know the beauty of that? 26 years, you wanna have some fun? Hit her up on Instagram or social media and just say, hey, tell me all the stupid things Kevin's done. She got a laundry list laundry list of things that I have done, ways in which I have wronged her, ways in which I have failed her as a husband, ways in which that I have just not measured up to God's standard that he has called for me as as a husband, as a father. But you know what she doesn't do when I walk in the house? She doesn't go, hey liar, how'd it go today? Hey angry guy, how was it? Hey, jerk. Hey, guy that can't even hold his temper while driving on the freeway. Why didn't, why didn't, you know, she doesn't call me by my sin. She doesn't look at me and define me by my past failures. She looks at me as, as her love. And guys, she is a fallen woman in need of Jesus Christ just as much as any one of us. She is not perfect. And if a fallen individual can look at another fallen individual and can see past their sin and their brokenness and all the ways in which I've wronged her personally, if she can see past all of that and still define me and call me in the name of love. What do you think the God of the universe, perfect in every single way, written down in his word that he promises you, you are my beloved, you are my precious, you are my child, that he can look down at you in his absolute perfection. You don't think he can't look past all of your past sinfulness and call you by your name? as his beloved, as First John would tell us over and over and over again, my beloved, my precious one. I know there are some of you that are sitting in the weight of sin and it is messy and gross and you're sitting there right now going, man, Kevin, you don't understand. This isn't a past sin issue. This is a current thing for me. Great. Don't be so proud as to think the God of the universe can't love you through that. Now he ain't happy with it. Is there a desire for all of us to turn, to repent, to walk away from that stuff? Absolutely. Please don't hear me on that. Don't hear me say, yeah, go live your life however you want. God God cares. We talked about that last week. Vengeance is coming for those who certainly don't know the Lord. There's a calling for those that are children of God to live a life above reproach, holy and honoring to the Lord. But God does not define you by your sin. He sees you as beloved and he loves you and he did the most incredibly loving thing he could do in an effort to cleanse you of all of that sin, all of that stuff in your past, if you would only but humble yourself and lean into him, find everything you need in him. He does not define you by that. Look at this passage, and then I've got something that we're going to try and do together. Here's 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Again, you guys have heard this one before. Some of you guys have heard this 100 times. Maybe you've never heard it before. Listen to these words. It says, if, contingent. If, read that if as if, if you can humble yourself, if you can find it in yourself right now in this moment wherever you're at to say, God, here I am in all my muck and my mire and all the stuff in me, I realize that I am not perfect. That's what that if is implying. If we confess our sins, if you can get to that place, if you can get to that place of humility before the cross, look at the promise of God he that he is God that's not you that's not you cleaning a bunch of stuff up that's not you saying okay give me a week Kevin I'll get this stuff out of my life and then I'll come to no that's in this moment in the midst of it all confess your sins and then God is faithful God is faithful God is just to do what only he can do anyway and that is forgive you and I of our sins and not only forgive us of our sins, but look what he goes on to say, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, that's what we gain in Jesus Christ. We come to this party. You know what we bring to this party is our sinfulness. That's all we bring. I sit there, you sit there, and and I'm here at the feet of the cross looking up at Jesus, and Jesus is is dying on the cross for the sins of the world, and he looks at me, and I go, here's all I had to bring, God. was all of my sin, all the dumb stuff that I've done and and here it is. And now we've got a choice. Now we've got a decision to make. Now we're at those crossroads. You can do one of two things. You can look up at the cross of Christ and and smile and nod and go, okay, that's that's pretty, that's neat. And take your sin and go home and live in it and live out 2 Corinthians 7.10. Worldly grief that will lead to destruction. Maybe this side of heaven, certainly on the other side of this life. Or you can do what so many of us have done, so many of us that would call ourselves sons and daughters of God, and we are far from perfect, and we'll acknowledge that, but what we have done is we have come to that party with all of our stuff, and we see the, 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 the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, and we just put that stuff at his feet and go, God, here's my past, here's my present, and God, I know that there are future in store for me. I'm gonna be back here again, but right now in this moment, I wanna give this all to you. And then we reach up and we just wrap our arms around the feet of Jesus Christ with all that we have and we cling to him because he is all that we have. That's what this verse is saying. If you can confess, if you can confess your sinfulness, your brokenness before God, then you let God do what only he can do and that's clean everything up through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so I started to wrestle with this and I thought, man, what's the linchpin that unites both of these together? Both those of us that would say, man, I don't know, I mean, maybe I'm not that bad. I don't think I'm that bad. I can find worse people. In fact, I can find Christians. I can find people in your church, Kevin, that are worse off than me morally, so therefore I must be okay. Man, for, for those in that camp, it's, it's pride. Pride is keeping you from acknowledging your need for a savior. It's your Pride. Can you humble yourself? Can you recognize that no matter how good you look, there's a group of men gonna come running down that beach that look far better than you, are far more dedicated, far more disciplined than you, and you will never measure up to their standard. Guys, if you think for a second you can measure it up to the standard of God's perfection, you're gonna be incredibly disappointed one day when you realize your good works and all the things that you did fall woefully short. Of his standard, but in this moment, in this place, right now, you can humble yourself and grab onto Jesus with all that you've got. And then there's those of us that wrestle more with this guilt and shame, and we define ourselves by our sin. And, and the reality is this: I thought about this a long time. You sit there and you say, Oh, Kevin, you don't know how bad I am, you don't know how awful it is, and and, and God couldn't love me. And it's pride is the same thing for you. Pride is your issue. It's not pride because you think you're great. It's pride because you know you're terrible and yet in the midst of your terribleness, you have the audacity. And don't take this as more shame and guilt. I even hesitate to say it right now, but it's, it's, it, I do think it's a point. We have the pride. We have the audacity to look at the sacrifice of God's son on the cross for our sins and look at God and say, God, what you paid, this sacrifice you made, not enough, not enough to cover my sins because I'm that bad. And the God of the universe looks at you and goes, I gave everything for you. There is nothing more that I could give. There is no greater sacrifice I could make, and there is no amount of penance you could do to overcome the sacrifice I made. That's how great my love for you is. And for those of you in that state, you can either come to the end of yourself and humble yourself and say, God, okay, this is gonna be super hard for me because I've gotten some of my... uh, insecurity and my identity and and everything from my sin. I've defined myself by this. But God, in this moment, in this this place right now, I am going to leave this at at your feet. And would you help me experience your love and your grace and your forgiveness? Would you help this take place? Would you help purify me from all unrighteousness? Would you help cleanse me from all of it? Would you do what only you can do? Guys, I know that's a huge step for some of you, but man, it will be the greatest step in the world. It will be a step that produces repentance that leads to salvation for eternity, but also a salvation without regret. You can become free from all of that stuff. So again, think of it this way. You've spent a lifetime collecting your sin in big garbage bag. And now you find yourself at the feet of the cross and you look and all you see are garbage bags full all around the feet of Jesus what I need you to understand is those full garbage bags are everyone else that's put their faith in Christ. That's all their stuff. Some of those bags are far bigger than yours. Some are far smaller than yours. But here you are with yours. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? In this moment, in this place right now, you can take that and walk away and continue to carry it, or you can give it over to Christ, and you can let him do what only he can do, purify you from all unrighteousness. So what's this gospel in four words? We looked at it last week, it's God, the God of the universe who created you, who made you, who loves you. He loves you. He loves you enough to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for the sins that we've all got. And so he looks down upon you and he sees you as his beloved son or daughter and maybe he's calling out your name right now in this place, in this moment. He's saying, would you just come? Would you come with all of your mess, all of your stuff, would you just leave it here? And would you grab onto my son and let me do what only I can do? And that's begin to clean you up from the inside out. And so as we looked at God's love, as we looked at our sinfulness next week, wrestling's gonna take us into this understanding of who Jesus Christ is fully and completely. And we're gonna brag on Jesus for as long as you guys will tune in. But before we go today in this place, in this moment right now, here's what I, I need all of us to wrestle with all of us. Children of God, sons and daughters, those of you guys that have said, man, I remember I've put my, I've left my bag of trash. I've grabbed onto Christ and I am all in on Jesus. And you've put your faith in Christ. Just begin to pray. Pray for those that that are still searching, looking for the Lord. You pray for the spirit to move in their life and their heart right now. But for those of you that are at that place and you would say, man, I need Jesus. I know I'm not perfect. I want to begin to experience the love of God in the hope of forgiveness and grace and all these words that you keep throwing out there, I'm not even sure what they mean. And yet I want it so badly. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray a prayer, like I've said before. This isn't a magic prayer. This is just a conversation that you might be able to have with God. And so if you wanna repeat it after me, just go ahead and repeat it. But before this day is over, you heard Neil talk earlier about clicking on and getting on with a pastor and talking to somebody. If you wanna give your life to the Lord, if you say, man, I wanna accept Christ in this moment right now, you gotta to talk to somebody. It, it ain't, it's not magic, but it's an opportunity to put words to what God's stirring in your soul and your heart. And again, it's a chance for, as we talked about early, the body of Christ to put their arms around you and to love you wherever you're at. So that's our hope and our prayer. Let me pray this prayer. And if in this moment, in this place right now, you wanna give your life to the Lord and you wanna leave that sin at the feet of the cross, just pray this prayer after me and then I'll pray for all of us as we close out our time. God, I thank you so much that you love me. And God, in this moment, in this place right now, I I absolutely admit that I am not perfect. God, your word calls it sin. And I know exactly what it is you're talking about in my life. So God, in this moment, in this place, I wanna leave that here. God, I put all of my faith in your son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would do as you have promised to do, that you would cleanse me, that you would purify me of all unrighteousness. And then, God, I pray from this day forward, I will begin to live my life for you. God, I know there's gonna be ups and downs, but God, there will be ups and downs walking hand in step with you. And For God, I am so thankful. So God, I love you. I need you. You begin to do what only you can do in my life in this moment right now. For the rest of us, let me pray. God, I thank you. For the beauty of your son, Jesus Christ. And God, I confess, I was even praying earlier today, God, how often I've convinced myself of terrible thinking. God, I need you each and every moment of every day and every step. So God, I thank you even for this moment right now where you're speaking to me and reminding me how much I need you for everything. And so God, with both arms wrapped tight around you and your word, God, I pray that I would hold on to your son, Jesus, with all that I've got. God, in those moments that I puff myself up, that you would humble me quickly, remind me how much I need you. God, those moments of shame and guilt that you would remind me just how close you are and how much you love me, that you would whisper in my ear and tell me that I am your beloved. God, I pray the same for my brothers and sisters that are out there. for all of us that call us, call you our father. God, I pray that you would be so real, so apparent to us. And God, continue to use us to be ambassadors for your son, Jesus Christ. God, let us share your love with any, anyone that you put in our path. God, I pray we do it in the power of your spirit. So we love you, we thank you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.